We are episode 12 of the Four Lifters by Lifters podcast. Uh, today we have pro bodybuilder Jeff Long with us. He's also the owner of Leica Pro Supplements. Um, what's going on? What's up, my man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for, for joining us, even if you are uh, got no car accident on the way here. <laughs> oh, man, I know. Uh, finally get to come up here, do the podcast, train, and somebody hits me. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, I like just chatting with you about normal shit because uh, I feel like I can talk shit to you, and uh, you just, like, accept it, and you, uh, yeah, yeah, you talk mean, shit back. I mean, it, Especially in this day and age, I mean, you say anything to anyone. I mean, now it's it's you have to watch what you say. You know, so many people get offended so quickly. But you know, um, it, it's whatever. I mean, it, have fun. I mean, you can't you can't go through life, you know, um, being offended by what anyone says. Is it just have fun with it? I uh, I was joking around with one of uh, with a rep before, and obviously you're different. You're a rep and a brand owner, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit different, but I was joking around with a rep before, and he got super bent out of shape about it. And he was like, please don't talk to me like that. I'm like, ah, all right. I see where the line is now. Damn. So, yeah. No, I don't think I have a line. I mean, I mean, you know you know how I am on social media. You know, yeah. You know, I'm, sh- I'm an open book. I'm straightforward. And if you don't like it, then who cares? Yeah. So uh, let's dive into, like, your career as a bodybuilder. I think that that is probably one of the most intriguing parts to me. Uh, you know, you started bodybuilding at a young age. I think you said you were you were lifting with your father. Uh, with your father. Yep, started lifting when I was ten years old. Okay. Um, actually watched Pumping Iron when I was ten, and that's what kind of sparked the you know, let's lift some weights. You know, ten years old, watch Pumping Iron, and I remember telling my dad, I want to look like those guys, and he just said, All right, well, you know, tomorrow we'll start working out. I mean, my dad always lifted. Yeah. Um. So I just went downstairs in her basement with his old plastic cement weights and yeah started you know we started training and okay. I just never looked back so uh you did your first show when you were 20 20 okay 20 years old first show I wanted to compete earlier than that but for some reason even though I was a wrestler you know I was an athlete all through you know you know elementary middle school high school I couldn't get on stage I think it was I don't know if it was stage right because of the posing trunks yeah but <laughs> eventually I just said you know what fuck it I bought I ordered trunks online. I had no tan on my first show. Got the trunks, went and competed. And did pretty well. I mean, there was like seven or eight guys. I ended up getting fourth. Had no idea what I was doing. Were you in open or is that like a junior class? I did novice and open. Okay. I, I you know, they were like, I just do the novice, you know, get your feet wet. Nah, I did both. Yeah. You know, just jump right in. You might as well, because you just know where you stand. And at 20, like, you're an adult. You're a grown man. If you yep. want to treat yourself like a grown man, yeah. then you better compete in grown man classes. And it's funny, because uh, speaking about that show, yeah, I got fourth. Wasn't in shape, you know. I wasn't fat, but I wasn't anywhere near contest shape. Um, I was the talk, most talked about person in the show. Just because of my age, because of the thickness that I had, and just my overall build. Yeah. Versus everyone else that was in, that was in my class and competing. So, uh, we both know the, the Bunda family, uh, Colton, Austin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich. Uh, yep. So, they started shopping with me when they were young kids, and uh, Rich would bring them in. But they, they trained hard at a very young age, and I think that that has a lot to do with their success in bodybuilding now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you hear stories like Sean Clarita, who was in last week, uh, same thing. He started you know relatively early with the, with the weight training and that kind of stuff. Um, do you think that that plays a big part in like your, your puberty and your development years in having weight training? I think it does, uh, for the fact that 
you know, there, if you're starting to lift and work out at a younger age, you're building a foundation versus someone who comes in, all right, I'm 18, I'm 19, I'm just going to start lifting. And then they want to move to the next level, which we all know what that is, and right. using performance-enhancing drugs, especially in bodybuilding. They haven't built a foundation, you know, versus someone who's been lifting since there was, you know, since they were 12, 13, 14. They already had that solid four, five, six years of lifting, whether or not if it's hardcore training at 13, right. you're still, you know, working out and building some type of foundation with your body. Yeah, the, my biggest, like, I, I was weight training when I was younger, but I never took it consistently or too seriously. And I think the, the part for me that I regret is just the the proper execution on the lifts, mm -hmm. right? As you get older, you tend to get tighter. Uh, so when you kind of keep restarting and restarting, you know, you might not be in proper position to execute the lifts properly. You, know, you right. might be benching or something, but using more shoulder than chest, yep. you know, simple stuff like that. And I think when you start at a young age, your, your body's a lot more mobile. So it can move into different positions, and you have to find what's the most powerful. It's, 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 it's more mobile, but at the same time, when you're that young, your mind is geared toward, you know, especially when you're 12, 13, 14. It's like you're learning from someone else. You know, you're learning from someone older, and you're learning how to train properly. So you fast forward to, you know, a lot of people these days, like kids that are 18, 19, just getting into it, they – are coming into the gym not training properly you know they can't even execute you know a, a, a dumbbell curl correctly and you give them four weeks six weeks in the gym if they're not making progress they want to start hey what can i take to increase my progress etc and it's just the wrong mindset to have it's like they need to just take that one two three years and just learn the basics that's for everybody, though. Not even just, no, it's, you know, yeah, not it's kids, for right? I for, mean, like, adults, it's too. It's for everyone. Everyone like, who's just starting out should learn the basics of training. Whether or not you're going to be a bodybuilder, but just learn how to train and execute, you know, lifts properly. Yeah. Or eventually, you're going to um, – your body is going to develop not equally, and then you can, you know, have a, a chance of being injured. My fear with the, the kids that want to be enhanced quickly is that they don't learn how to eat, train, you know, recover properly without it. Mm -hmm. So the only way that they progress is by more. And we know, you know, with all the, the recent stuff in bodybuilding, we know that that doesn't end well. Nope. It, uh, nine out of ten times, it's it leads to, you know, deaths. And that's what we've been seeing a lot lately with. Um, but and the other issue, what you already marked, which you already uh, hit on, was that you have to train right, you have to eat right if you're gonna, you know, to have to, to make sure everything comes together as a whole. You can't do one without the other. You need everything to be clicking, at the, you know, equally. When you were training, uh, were you training hard and heavy? Were you looking for just stimulus? Like, what was your methodology with that? Um, depends. I mean, when I was 10, you know, 12, 13 years old, it was, it was, it wasn't about weight. You know, I was just still learning techniques. I was still learning exercises, you know, properly how to train. Um, as I got older, obviously you want to push the weight, Yeah. you know, um, especially when I got into high school. I mean, I broke, you know, multiple weightlifting records, bench press records at a body weight of, I was like my freshman year, 160, you know, at like five foot two. And you know, I but you were probably ripped. I was I was in good shape, um, 
and I think I did my the record was one. 190 pounds or 185 pounds for like 11 or 12 and I did like 19 times as a freshman I ended up benching like 365 my senior year um I mean so it was weight but I still made sure my form was good you know I didn't go in there and just train like an idiot what about when you were um like after your first competition you were pursuing your pro card uh, were you training like hard, heavy compound movements? Still, train. I, I've always trained hard. You know, I mean hard. Obviously, I train hard. Yeah. But I've always trained heavy. But I never trained without having really good form. So if I'm benching, you know, I don't bounce the bar off my chest. If I can't do it, I lower the weight. Um, can't really say that for squats because I don't squat. But like rowing, you know, I don't, I don't really jerk weight. You know, if I can't pull it, I lower the weight. So my muscle, the muscle that I'm training actually does the work. Okay. And that pretty much goes around for, you know, that goes for all my body parts. Okay. What about, uh, this is an off topic, but usually when I see bodybuilders that have great calves, usually they were heavy as children. And uh, I feel like the extra load of the foot moving them around, you know, might yeah, stimulate the muscle. Stimulate the muscle. And, um, but you weren't, it doesn't sound like you were heavy at all, but your calves no, I was, are in their own zip code. There's a difference. I mean, <laughs> being heavy and, you know, fat or, you know, just being husky. It's like I was, hu I was solid. You know, okay. I was, I, you know, I was never, you know, fat or soft. I've always been, you know, husky, like hard and, you know, just like a, like a farmer. Okay. <laughs> You know, so, but my legs I've always had since I was little. I've always had thick legs. It's just, yeah. So I, I had thick upper legs, but mm -hmm. I never had big calves at all. I mean, it just it, terrible. I'm just going to blame it on genetics, but I was a, a baseball catcher, as I mm -hmm. said earlier. Uh, so obviously my legs were always stimulated from doing that. Right, right. So I think that that helps a lot. Um, so you, you turned pro at what age? 25. 25. Yep. And you retired at? 33. 33? Yeah. And you're 36 now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, why'd you retire? Um, I mean, 13 years, literally every year I competed multiple shows. Um, I just had my firstborn and, you know, when I had my firstborn, I don't know what it was. It just kind of clicked on my head where, all right, I'm going to start prepping for the next show. And then when I went to you know, do, do, do the cycle, you know, do what we do. I just couldn't do it. It's like something in my head, in my mind was just like, you know, you don't need to do this. It's yeah. like, don't do it. It's not worth it anymore. Um, so after my firstborn, it's like, I end up doing just the Baltimore and uh, Tampa. And, and that was the last minute prep. I prepped for eight weeks. It's just like a crash diet prep. And it was probably one of the best looks I've ever had. Um, eight weeks of prep, basically just went no cars for like eight weeks. And then um, did Tampa two weeks later and then just. That was it? Was like, yeah, I just didn't want to do it anymore. It's just, I think I got tired of stepping on stage and almost feeling like, all right, I feel like I brought a phenomenal package. I'm in shape. And it was just like, I'm not getting looked at. It's like, I'm on stage. Why aren't I getting looked at? Well, I think it's it's strange because when, when we first started talking about your product line in our store, uh, we're probably looking at, what, three, four years ago? Yep. Uh, it's, it's been a while. Uh, I remember, like, clicking on your profile and seeing pictures, and I'm like, holy shit, this dude's probably going to be like Mr. Olympia. Mm -hmm. like, like, you just look crazy on I mean, stage. I mean, I mean, that was the goal. Um, 
And I really thought when I competed in 2016, I mean, that was, you know, um, Victor's comeback. And we kind of knew everyone was competing. We were kind of fighting, you know, we we're going to compete for second, you know, given the name, who he is, and, you know, what Br Victor brings to the stage. And, you know, we go through the call outs. I'm the first call out. I mean, I'm battling Vic and whoever the two, I forget the two other guys. Go back to finals an hour or so later, and I end up eighth place. It's like, kind of put a, you know, kind of really pissed me off. So you, you know? feel like the, the IFBB might have, uh, you know, maybe specific goals with who they're grooming? Yeah, and, you know, it could be because, you know, I don't, I, I just don't kiss ass. You know, it's, yeah. if I don't agree with something, I don't like something, if I think something's unfair, I speak up about it. You know, and I've tagged plenty of judges in the day, you know, with my posts, you know, because I don't care. It's like, if you're going to a show, I think the best man should win. Not based off of, oh, well, their sponsor gave us $10,000 for the show, so make sure he does, you know, well. Make sure he's not out of the top five. Right. You know, so they might deny it doesn't play a role, but I'm sorry, but it really does. And then I decide, you know what, fuck this shit. I'm doing Tampa in two weeks. So booked my stuff. You know, I have no sponsors, you know. Paid all, you know, I have my own company at the time. Yeah, yeah. So booked my trip, went to Florida, did Tampa. Worst place I ever had in my life. I was, I was like 20th, right? And that's when I was like, you know what? I ended up going to Disney that Sunday um, with uh, my wife and my – with Jackson. He, he was like eight months at the time. Went downtown Disney, had fun, and then we flew home, you know, uh, Monday. And I just – you know what? Cleaning it out, just going to train for myself, you know, stay healthy, and that's it. Focus on my brand. And that's been the mindset ever since. Yeah. And I haven't been on stage. Well, I guess pose last year in Utah. I couldn't get out of that. The promoters kept messaging me and messaging me like, Jeff, I want you to guess pose. So I guess pose. It pays, right? You do it, right? Yeah. I mean, I made a lot of money. Um, so I guess pose. And a lot of people were like, when you guess pose, you're gonna ha it's going to click in your head that you miss being on stage and you want to get back on the stage. All right. Well, I guess pose talked to my wife like 20 minutes afterwards she was like so um how do you feel i'm like I feel fine it's not like i that was dieting for a show and compete. she was like no how do you feel like um are you going to get back on stage and compete i go no zero desire to want to get back on stage now yeah. did i enjoy guest posing going in the crowd taking pictures and all that yes but getting on stage you know going through that whole process again i just it's it's behind me now you know it's yeah. like i have two kids now my company is growing killing it yeah you know every month you know my numbers go up you know except for you know march and april with COVID, <laughs> you know they took a debt as long as you didn't flatline it's all good <laughs> but now it's like my mind it's just business my family and that's it i mean there's no i don't think being on stage will benefit me really in any way I might have some Instagram, you know, fame for a day. You're like, oh, Jeff came back, you know, maybe for the weekend. Yeah. After that, it's just, people move on. All right. Oh, what's going? What's in the news on Monday morning? Might as well just die for a photo shoot and make people wonder. Yeah. And, well, that's <laughs> basically, you know, it's, I, I, since I've stopped competing three years ago, it's like I stay in shape. I just stay in shape. And now, like I just, like I was telling you earlier, I just did actual real content for my brand for the first time ever. Um. 
and you know being in shape actually helps you know being in shape helps and now i'm going to florida i'm going to shoot more more content for the brand and i'm just going to stay in shape you know stay in shape have fun film content training videos and I think people's desire to compete really depends on the roots that got them into the the sport, mm-hmm. you know, to begin with. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I started weightlifting, I don't know, when I was relatively young. Same thing, concrete weights and, yep. you know, standard bars and yep. these crappy benches. Um, but I did it because I enjoyed it, right? And yep. uh, it was just something I would do to, to either let off some steam or to fill time. You know, we didn't have social media to play with back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just something I would do. I had no interest in ever competing in powerlifting. And then some guy talked me into joining the Penn State powerlifting team when I transferred over there. So I did that for two years. And I always said, like, after my last national competition, I'm done. Like, I only did it just to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. And then after that, like, uh, I'll just keep going to the gym and, like, doing whatever. And it's it's because you enjoy it. Yeah. And that's – I actually touched base with someone about this uh, last week. It was actually one of of my Q&A questions. Um, And it was about – retiring like why am i still so gung-ho training every day why do i eat health like eat clean you know protein vegetables most of the time and it's like well it's i didn't i don't do this just because i competed i've been doing this since i was 10 i love i enjoy it, it makes me feel good and i you know i just i enjoy i enjoy it it's kind of vice so, versa for you you competed be- because you enjoyed it yeah right so and oh. you know obviously you know at the time, it's like, yeah, I want to be like Arnold. I want to be like those guys. Be in a magazine. I made it a magazine. I want to be on the cover. I made the cover. Now, did I get to the Olympia? No. Did I get to the Arnold Classic, get an Arnold title? No. But maybe it just wasn't in my cards. You know, maybe it was use all the all the stuff that I did with bodybuilding, you know, branding myself, whether it was good branding, bad branding. I mean, publicity-wise, you know, it's good and bad, you know, with yeah. me. Um, and all that kind of just drives into my supplement brand, you know? Yeah. I feel like you've done a, a really good job with that and you're following, uh, they just love you. Like the, the fact that you answer, I mean, you used to answer ridiculous amounts of Q and a questions. I don't know if you still do that volume, but I, I do, but some, some, I get a lot of spam and then there's a lot of questions that I just, I just stop answering because it's the same old, same old questions with drugs and it's like dude you look like you never lifted a weight in your life you know what i am not even answering this giving you any advice whatsoever because someone like that which i get a lot of them it's like you don't you have no idea what you're doing so most likely you're just going to hurt yourself and i don't want any part of that do you think that like the uh the, the ped culture of today is just strange um yeah i can i think i can i can agree with that um I also think that the use of it all is just never what I would imagine now, you know, especially, you know, what we would do back in the day, you know, granted, okay, when in 2006 and 2007, people knew what I did, but I had no idea what I was doing. I was with the mad scientists. But once I learned, it's like, I never did what I did in those those two years ever again. Right. And now it seems like what I did do then, that's like a mild cycle now. And now you, you tackle tackle on all the peptides and all this other stuff. It's like people are literally you, you're shooting 50 times all these different things every day, taking this, taking that. It's 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 become really it's 
a sport. You know, people can't say, you know, people say bodybuilding is not a sport, but, you know, it's really become just drugs. Yeah. You know, it's, and to me, I, I just don't want any part of it. You know, I love bodybuilding, but what it's become, it's, it's, it seems like people now, you have people, they're averaging, you know, they're 260, 270, 280. It's just, it's, it's, it's insane. They don't look good. Like from a, a like I'm a normal person, right? Uh, I'm obviously half the size of you, mm-hmm. uh, but like you look good, you look healthy. You know, you can hold a conversation. Your skin's not beat red and purple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're not. It's hot in here, and you're not profusely sweating. Like I'm hot, but yeah, <laughs> like I said, it's hot in here. But you know, you see these guys up on stage, um, and they they look like they're going to pass out and they mm-hmm. don't look healthy. They look like something's about to go wrong. That to, to the general public, which is what I consider myself like that. That's not desirable. I no, don't, I don't want to be that. It's not, I think that's what's killing bodybuilding. And I think that with the people now that are just had the mindset of just wanting to be so big in the end, it's, it's just going to, it's going to backfire because you can only hold it so long. It's like, yeah, I, at 2007, I hit 200 and 2008, sorry, 290 pounds. Never went that heavy again. But as I got older, it's like, I learned that being that heavy, carrying that much weight, it's, it's just, it's pointless. It's not healthy yeah. for you to carry that much weight, which is why it's like, um, I just I stay the way I am now. Even the last few years, when I when I was actively competing, I mean I was like two I don't know two fifty five two sixty whatever, which is still big, Huge. but it's not two hundred and ninety pounds. It's not three hundred pounds at my height. Yeah, you know um, I think the way bodybuilding is going now, people need to actually do the opposite and focus on just coming in smaller and just have a better look. Like just don't look unhealthy you know what i mean like i think it would rebuild the sport and uh it would just interest people again because it it would be more attainable physiques and the thing is i understand like when you go to the olympia you know people you know they they come to see the freaks right they come to see the big guys you know if you have five thousand people at the olympia um those stands are going are going to be stuffed for the open yeah versus say bikini class of physique but at the same time, bodybuilders, they want bodybuilding to be mainstream, just like any other sport, right? It's, if it's mainstream, it's going to bring in more money. Well, if you want it to be mainstream and bring in more money, don't be my height and be 300 fucking pounds. Yeah. It's just not a, it's not a good look for everyone. If you want to be mainstream, you got to be, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You want to be – my whole mind just went blank. <laughs> it happens. You know, you, you want people to look at you from, like, an everyday person, like, wow, you know what? He looks really good. I like wanna, a, I like wanna, a Mike O'Haron? Like, I want to look like that. You know, like, that's why I think classic physique, classic bodybuilding is becoming so big. Because, like, a, like a body like that, they're not enormous. You know, they're in between physique and bodybuilding. And, you know, for the average person, all right, they may not – get to that level right but they can get to somewhat in between the physique and classic bodybuilding yeah you know but when you take a guy who
who's 300 pounds or 275 pounds, it's just like, I don't want to look like that, you know? And then what kind of attention does it bring on bodybuilding? It's like, well, we're just basically promoting drugs. Yeah. And that's where it's at. Right. And you have guys like, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say his name, but the guys on the internet that are just telling people that, you know, the guys at the Olympia are taking $40,000 a year worth of, you know, gear and other things. And people are just like, so that's, that's all that is. And they just automatically assume that, you know, just more is more. And that if you want to get to that big, you just got to take that much stuff. And the thing is, it's if you need to spend that kind of money, go find, crazy. Something, else. Go find something else to do. Go golf or something. I mean, I've not. <laughs> it's like, like speaking about like HGH. It's like that's something like I'm super open about, which I hardly ever use my entire career as a bodybuilder. In the beginning, I did. But it was a low amount, two or three I used, which is nothing compared to you see what guys are using now. I know guys smaller than me taking it. I don't yeah. even understand why. And I used it like I think three or four months for one of my preps as a pro. Other, I never used it because I never saw the benefit versus what it costs. All you were told and was, oh, man, HGH is going to build slabs of muscle. No, it's a bunch of bullshit. Okay, you're gonna feel big because you're. It's gonna make you hold water. Yeah. But seven to ten, ten seven to ten days later, when you stop, uh, all, all that fullness goes away. The water goes away. You know what I mean? So when I'm 40, you know, is it something that I can implement at a very very low dose, say one IU for like tendon health and just overall health? Yes. Is it gonna build a physique into Mr. Olympia? No, it is not. You, uh, I mean, you've always been pretty health conscious, um, you know, focused on your diet, but you also, I think you get blood work done pretty often. Um, do you think that that is kind of missing from today's bodybuilding too? Blood work is as well. I mean, the sad part is people will spend thousands on, on gear and not spend, you know, a couple hundred bucks on blood work. I think they're afraid of their doctor saying, hey, you know, something's wrong here. You need yeah. to stop whatever you're yeah, doing. Yeah, I mean, it could be you know, they're in denial. I mean, they don't want to actually see the truth, you know, because blood work is going to tell you exactly what's wrong with you. But even when you walk into, like, a regular gym, like, there's always a bro that you know is just on some stuff, right? You know, he looks good, you know, yep. uh, but, you know, not to your level, but he looks good. But they're always, they're always at least around here, they're always purple. I mean, just yep. straight purple. So they're, they're, they're willing to take the stuff. But they're probably not doing their cardio. They're probably not eating correctly, right? They're eating enough to uh, build muscle and yeah. maybe synthesize whatever they're they're bringing in. But you know, you can if you take the right stuff. I mean, you, as an average person, you can eat some junk and yeah. still still look pretty good. Yeah, you can. Um, they take cycles to grow and shred up at the same time, but they're not really monitoring their health. Um, no, and, and um, you can point them out, and you can point them out. And that's the sad part is that, you know, what I try to do when someone comes to me at a younger age and they want to, you know, start their cycle, this is what it was, is that I know what I did when I first started and I know what I did throughout my entire career, right, which was mild. Um, Today's standards, it would be considered a bikini cycle. And that's what's sad. The thing is, when I tell people, well, this is what I did, but you don't need to do this. I already went through that entire process. I've been 290 pounds. You don't need to be 290 pounds. You know, it's just, it's just not healthy. 
you can take a different approach take this approach and you'll be healthier longevity and it seems like whatever you whenever i try to tell someone to do do that it's like they kind of just go off oh well i went and talked to such and such and they said this has to you have to take i feel like people never believe you no whether they blame it on your genetics or they they blame it on whatever they don't believe me now it's like i posted pictures from the shoot this past weekend right which i was like 225 they're like man how are you so big and you haven't done a cycle you're just on trt i don't believe it it's like well, first of all, I'm 225. My last competition, I was in the upper 230s on stage, in stage shape. So I'm almost 15 pounds lighter. So what's the, what's the, what, what can you comprehend? And in my off-season, I used to be an average 260, 270. Now I'm averaging 230, 235, yeah. if I, you know, like I am right now, because I decided to, you know, eat some food. What, what's so hard to comprehend? <laughs> I think it's uh am I supposed to shrink up to 150 pounds? Cuz you see a lot of bodybuilders, especially even older guys back in the day, it's like it's almost like did you guys just do it for the moment? Cuz now you're retired, you know, you retired 10, 15, 20 years ago. You look like shit. You're fat and you look like now you look like you never lived the weight in your life. You yeah, know? you see that a lot, and I think it goes back to you know the roots that we talked about before. And uh, plus, I, I think people are they're just doing it for a specific goal, mm-hmm. and then after that, they're just completely checked out of it. And yeah. it's a different love for the sport, yeah, right. And you see that with with regular athletes too, right? I mean, like uh, you yeah. know, I was watching the Jordan documentary, and uh, Jordan doesn't look like he's running around and he's in the best of shape. You know, mm-hmm. he's got a little pop belly on him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I feel like that just happens. Like if, if you go so hard for so long, eventually you just mentally check out. Yeah, I mean, you could burn out. And, you know, I mean, I could say, you know, I kind of got burned out. I mean, I competed 13, literally 13 straight years, multiple shows every single year for 13 years. And but once my, my mind and everything kind of regrouped in 2017, um, it's like I still didn't get back on stage just because, you know, but I, st- I didn't get back on back up on stage. But I still continue to train. I still continue to eat healthy. Not eight meals a day. You know, I eat right. like four meals a day because there's no need for me to eat that what's, much. What's a healthy meal to you? Like, what are you eating? An ad, a average meal to me, like I eat, you know, I have like white fish with, you know, a big serving of vegetables, you know. So that's all you're eating? I mean, you're not putting any oils on it, anything no, to boost your fats up? No, I just take I just take my omega-3s in the morning and before I go to bed. And then whatever natural, naturally occurring fats are in, you know, chicken breast or shrimp or white fish. Obviously, I have a steak every day, but it's lean. You know, yeah. Or grass-fed beef. So there might be 15 grams of fat, 20 grams of fat from there. Other than that, it's just a lot of vegetables, you know, with my protein, my lean proteins or my shakes. So you're almost eating a ketogenic diet without the added fat portion of the keto. Yeah, pretty much. Like today, yesterday and today, um... Like, I woke up. Today, I had a shake first thing in the morning. That was it. I, was, I woke up hungry. I was like 6 a.m. Just had a shake. Went and laid back down. And then before coming here, like, got to be two hours prior, two and a half hours. I had a cup of oats, strawberries, and I had, uh, like, 10 ounces of steak. And that was my meal. And then I'll eat again. I'll have a shake when I'm done. And then I'll have a meal before I go to bed. And the only reason you had the oats is because we plan on doing some training? Yeah, I mean, I just decided the last five, six days, you know what, I want to start having 
at least one meal of carbs and I'll have it before I train. Cause I, I usually eat a couple hours before I train. Right. Um, just depending on my schedule. So it'll be three hours. You know what I mean? Like today it'll be a good three hours before I had that meal. Damn which is why, accent. you know, I have my, my intra carb sitting right there with my aminos. And, um, and that's, that's about it. I mean, other than that, if I have my cheat meal on the weekend, I think people don't believe what you say because of how simple it is in your head, right? So, like, your, your process it's, it's of, so very little. They say, how do you maintain your size eating so little? You're probably still eating a ton of protein, though. Yeah, I'm still I'm still getting in one gram. I, I shoot for one gram, I mean, of lean body mass, so I get in around 220 or whatever. You know, Does that, that include shakes? Yeah. Four meals, I mean, two scoops of protein for a shake, a 10-ounce you know, steak is like what sixty, seventy grams, and then a chicken meal, and if I have another shake or another, it's low. It's what I've been having. I mean, and on the weekends, my protein's even lower, just because I'm having you know higher carbs because of my cheat meal or granola or whatever, cookies. You know. Do you think you can eat that way because of how long you've had the muscle mass on you? No, I've come. I came to the conclusion a couple years back when I lowered my protein. You know, I was eating, you know, 350, 400, 500 grams of protein when I was competing. And after I stopped competing, I, you know what, let me uh, do an experiment. I lowered my protein, you know, ate my vegetables, whatever carbs I was having. And I didn't lose muscle. You know what I mean? You would think lowering your protein that much, the muscle would just come down. And now it's three years, I eat around just a gram of protein. And the only reason why my muscle mass is down is because I'm not on drugs. Yeah. I'm not on a cycle. So I can take what I'm eating right now and bump up my carbs some, throw in a cycle. I'll be 250 in six weeks on one gram of protein per pound. So I've come to the conclusion that if I wanted to compete again, go into an off season, get back up to 260, 270, I can do it with one gram of protein, increase my carbs, you know, just to have, you know, being that, you know, surplus of uh, food. I don't think we need all that protein. Does this work with your clients? The same approach? Yeah. I mean, my, all the clients that I train, I mean, uh, Lou, five five ounces of protein. Um, I'm just wondering, like, if, uh, you know, you, you did such high protein to grow. Mm-hmm. Right, and that was the thing is you you always wanted to be in supply of the uh, the amino acids that make up your proteins, right. right? You wanted that in your blood. So, but on top of it, I'm also when I was eating all that, I'm going to the, I'm going through a roll of toilet paper every day. <laughs> you know, so yeah. at the same time, how much your body you could take in a you know, I talked to someone about this a while ago. You can take in a thousand grams of protein. Your body will utilize. Every single gram, use what it needs here, there, wherever it needs to go, your muscle, whatever. And it's going to excrete the rest. This is how it is, how the body works. So I don't think anyone actually has narrowed it down to the point of, all right, we don't need more of this amount of protein a day. From, you know, this study, that study, we just don't need it. Your body is going to get rid of it. We only need 0.12 grams, 5, you know, whatever grams of protein per day. Nobody has come to that specific well, different amount for yet. everybody. Like it has to. I be. think to a, different I th- blood types, different genetics. I think to a certain degree because we all stem from the same. You know. Right. You know right. what I mean. So 
that's why I say you, you give, you know, a little bit here and there. It's like, all right, this person is slightly different. Everyone's slightly a little bit different. But we all stem from the same. You know what I mean? Are you a big science guy? Um, so-and-so. i become more into the science part over the last, like, four or five years. Back then, I guess, as they call it, what, bro science, like, bro, tra- bro split training, bro science. It's like, yeah, I got to eat 1,000 grams of protein a day to grow. I've moved away from that and I don't believe it because I've been I've been eating less protein yeah and I'm not small the only reason why I'm down in size is because I eat my protein but I don't really eat any carbs right you know what I mean I'm, I'm in such a deficit most of the days and I'm not on a cycle so now let me put myself into a surplus of food right keep the protein the same bump my carbs up add fats in there just so I'm you know, I'm eating four or 5,000 calories. Now, let me put a cycle in there. I'm just, just going to grow. Yeah, but when I ask about the science, I'm asking about, like, you know, obviously the new new diets, you know, evolve, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the if it fits your macros thing was huge, you know, a few years ago. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like that has since evolved into maybe we should follow mm-hmm. macros but eat the right foods as well. Right. And that's kind of what's what's trending now, which makes sense because it applies science with what makes your body healthy. Yeah, I think a combo of both. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with with taking if I have 50 carbs left for today. Okay, I'm just going to eat 50 carbs from, say, marshmallows, you know, Rice Krispie treats, because to me, it's that's just not a healthy option. You you also wouldn't. But is it going to hinder? The goal, I don't think it will. And I think I, I come to that conclusion that even though I don't agree with eating that, you can still get to the goal that you're trying to get to. But I think where, where the bro science kind of ties in is if let's say you, you had 50 grams of carbs and that was your only macro left mm-hmm. for, the, for the remainder of the day. Yep. And you train in the morning. Let's hypothetically mm-hmm. you train in the morning. You wouldn't just eat 50 grams of white rice and go to bed either, right? Like to, to fit your macros. You, if you're going to implement your carbohydrates, it's going to be mostly pre and post training. Yeah, for me, yes. So but there's then, some but theory then, there too. But there is, you know, there's studies out there saying, well, you know, um, I think uh, Mark Lobliner touched base on this a while ago, is that as long as you hit your macros say you're at 200 for the day say carbohydrates you can literally push that off the entire day and eat 200 carbs before you go to bed you hit your target your body will use it no different than having it pre post or spread out through six meals now do i 100 percent agree with that no i don't it's like the other uh theory or whatever is out there with protein you know, people who fast for 23 hours and they eat 250 grams of protein in one sitting God. and, you know, they get all their calories in one sitting. Now, do I think fasting has its benefits now, but shoving 5,000 calories down in one meal, it kind of defeats the purpose, you know, of giving your body that break, fasting, you're shoving all that food and your body, I don't think is going to um, utilize that food as if versus spreading it you know over four meals or so because there is um from a science standpoint in studies having that amino acid 
through your blood every three, four or so hours benefits you. Yeah. Versus not having anything for the rest of the day. You know, I mean, all day and fasting for 20 so hours. I think intermittent fasting and implementing fasting is probably one of the most confusing things to the general public. It and is. A lot of people, like, let's say you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? And you start intermittent fasting. Most people just cut off breakfast, eat their normal lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, if, you, if each meal is 1,000 calories, so you go from 3,000 to 2,000, you're obviously going to lose weight. And that's the, other, that's the other issue with when people say, oh, man, I've been intermittent fasting and – I'm getting. I'm losing body fat. I'm getting. I'm dropping weight. Don't even say body fat. Dropping weight. Yeah, yeah. just dropping weight. Always. Well, yeah, because you literally cut a full meal out. So you went from two meal. I mean, three meals. Now you're eating just two meals. So your overall calorie intake is lower. Yeah. So you're going to drop weight. Anybody will drop weight. It doesn't make it. It doesn't make it. Oh, intermittent fasting is you know weight loss. You know. Did you ever read the book uh, Carbohydrate Backloading by Ed Kiefer? No, but I know about the whole car backloading thing. Uh, so I that was the first real diet I ever tried to implement when I was in college. I was mm-hmm. 20 at the time. And uh, it honestly, it worked really well for me. But I was trying to bump to the next weight class, mm-hmm. and I couldn't gain weight. I got leaner. And I was like, well, this defeats the purpose, so I'm going back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the things, you know, that he, he almost had you do it in steps, right? Uh, so on non-training days, you eat ketogenic. Yep. Uh, on training days, you ate no carbs until you trained. And then when you went home, you would eat junk. Right. Uh, you know, cereal, donuts, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. It wasn't protein heavy, but it would be carbs, mostly carbs, and then it would have some fats in there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the third step of it was you would intermittent fast in the morning. Mm-hmm. And to me, intermittent fasting paired with low-carb dieting, uh, forget about the backloading part, just makes more sense because you're not breaking your fast with a bunch of, you know, whatever it may be or junk, um, but you're going into a low-carb state and it just like concept wise, it just makes sense to me. Yeah. Is that- no, I it, it, I 100% agree with you on that. Um, but with um, the intermittent fasting, I, it's just not something I do. I don't I don't like it. I think there's too much misinformation, and too many people say it does this and does that. It, I don't believe it. Unless you're fasting for you know 48 hours, 36 hours. Okay, you give your body a huge cleanse. But the problem is when people these days, they intermittent fast or they fast, they break it with junk food. And I think that's the biggest mistake. Because their cravings are so high from fasting. Right. And I think that's the biggest mistake you can do to your body. It's like, okay, you just fasted, you cleaned out, and now you're eating pizza, ice cream, cookies, and all the sugar and fat and carbs. Think what that's doing to your insides right now. Like... You're gonna just explode on the toilet. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, I guess it's healthy. I mean, but with going back to you know the if it fits your macros, can it work? Of course. You know, you can make anything work. I'm, I can make. You know, look what I'm doing. I'm. I used to eat eight meals. Eat four. I'm still big. Yeah. So you, the body can't adapt. You know, to pretty much anything. But I think there's a healthy way of doing it, and then there's a unhealthy way of doing it. Like with the macros, if it, if it fits your macros, um, filling that void with junk, I just don't think it's the right approach. You know, if you're going to fill it, have something clean. The whole point is you're eating healthy, you're working out. Don't feed your body junk. You ever look back at like the 80s and 90s? Um, when I started 
I, there was a picture when I was four, and my father used to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and I used to get up with him, and we used to just sit up some push-ups together. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, kid, you know, I have this one photo of it, and uh, you know, he was very fit and very active. You know, he always had a six-pack. You know, look good. He, he was my height, 160, 165 pounds, but mm-hmm. that was the normal weight for you know people that are five seven, five eight. Right. And uh, you know, you ever look back at like that time period, and you're just like, they didn't need any of these crazy techniques. You, no, they they had to be active, eat relatively healthy, and they all looked good. It so, was simple. What, so why Every, why are things so then, complex now? I think since let's say about what 2000. 2012 that's when all this new stuff started coming out with the diets and the you know cookies and rice crispy treats pre-training and all this stuff it's just that's something i can get on board with it's it's not simple it's complicated because it's like oh two hours pre-training like from a coach standpoint i need you to have this 15 minutes after that meal i need you to have this Right before you train, I need you to have this. Then in the middle of your workout, go in a locker room, mix this up, drink that. It's become so complicated, and I think a big part of it is the, uh, the coaching these days. Everybody back then didn't have a coach. Now there's thousands upon thousands of coaches now, and it's, it's almost be- it's laughable. You know, it's like whatever happened, well, what do you eat? Oh, protein, vegetables, and I'll have some carbs. You know, oh, you don't you don't do this and do that. My coach has me doing this, and no, you don't, you don't need to do all that. I think this is our this is our twelfth podcast. This is probably the twelfth time that we've mentioned that uh, most of the people that we've had on didn't have coaches to get them to where they were. Yeah, uh, they you just learn like you 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 figure it out right. You fail yeah. and then you you revise your plan and you you figure it out and you continue to evolve. Uh, so it's me. just funny that you mentioned well, it. Eventually, that's why with me, eventually, I just I never had a coach again in bodybuilding. I did everything myself. You know, it's because it got to the point, it's just like, oh, what am I doing? Like, it almost became predictable with what the coach was going to do next. It's like, why am I paying a coach? It's like, I know exactly what he's going to do next before he even sends it to me. If you understand the concepts, then you'll understand how to implement it. Yeah. So so people should, if they do hire a coach, they need to learn and use that person as a teacher. And that's what I, when I, the people, like, I'm not some full-time coach, you know, I have like 10 clients, that's it. You know, I don't have 50, 60, 150 clients. Um, and I tell them, it said, it's like, when you hire me, it's like, I want you to ask questions. Just don't take the plan and follow and that's it. I want your feedback. I want questions because you don't want to have me forever. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and people say, well, yeah, but you, you, you make money. It's like, why would you tell them to do this? It's like, because it's, it's not how I am. It's like, you you hired me. I want you to learn. Why do you do this? Well, I do it because of this. Well, what reason for this? This is why I do the way I do, the way I do things. I think a lot of coaches, um, they implement tactics that are confusing on purpose so they because keep, there's retention. Yeah. Right. Once you stop using my tactics, you're going to be so confused on what yeah. to do that you're going to need me or need another coach. And at least we're stimulating the industry there. It's like prepping, going to an off season and then prepping for a show. This is bodybuilding 101. Let me tell you how simple it is. All right. You set your base. Yeah, right? piss people set. off, Jeff. 
I am going to piss a lot of people <laughs> off. It's like, it's how easy it is. Let's take me for instance. All right. Say I was going to go back into an off season, go back on a cycle and just come back next year. All right. I'm 225, say. All right. I'm going to start off. I'll do, just say to make it even, 250 grams of protein, right? I'm going to start off at a base of, you know what I'll do? I'll start off at one gram of carb. Trace fats. It's because I, I've just never been big on fats. You know, whatever it's in, in my steak, if I have steak or if I have salmon, that'll be my fats, my omega 3s. Right? What about whole eggs? Not a fan? I am, but it's just, you know, I just, most of the time I have shakes. Okay. You know, it's just, it's just quicker, especially with the kids. So now if I went into an off season, I'll have, I'll have a shake, you know, just mix up my oats or whatever. And then trace fats. All right. So I get to a point in the off season, I'm at my peak. I'm at like 500 carbs. 250 grams of protein, trace fats. Now it's time to prep. What am I going to do? Well, first, I'm going to leave my diet alone. I'm going to implement some cardio. Most people don't do cardio in the off-season. So, base three days, 30 minutes a day, right? Not touching the diet. After a couple weeks, once the body starts going, all right, I'm either going to increase cardio some, or I'm going to reduce my carbon intake because I'm not going to really touch my protein. Proteins right. and proteins. It's a constant. Yeah. Protein stays the same. My fats are trace amounts. My energy source is carbohydrates. So that's the only thing I'm going to change in my diet. And that's 99% of people. It's carbohydrates. Unless you're one of the few that do an actual real ketogenic diet. Right. And then there is no carbs. You're going to actually fluctuate your fats. Right. And then each week just, all right, I didn't drop weight. All right, I'm going to increase my cardio. And then reduce carbs. You just kind of just, it's that simple. It's not hard. You know, pre-training an hour, hour and a half, I have my meal. I go train. Have my aminos, have my carbs, whatever. Post-training, have a shake or have a meal. You know, it's, it's, it's not as hard as people put it out there to be. I think at the very least, you can look pretty good doing that, right? Like, you may not be Mr. Olympia, and they may not look like you. But the other thing is, too, there is so much – this isn't 2000, 2005 where you're getting all your information from a magazine, right? You have so much information on the Internet now. You yeah. can literally plug in your body weight and have basically a full outline of, of an ideal plan for you to – like an outline to follow. Right. You know, with – you adjust as you go. You know, you can find a, a site that gives you the base of where you should be based off of your activity. Yeah. It's all out there. Yeah. You know, and it's just—it's just a matter of trying it and adjusting try it. Try, and, and if you, yeah. if it doesn't work, then all right, whatever. So, uh, just—I remember you posting it a little bit, but what's your stance on on vegan diets? Can people make it work in bodybuilding? I mean, I haven't met a vegan pro. I mean, <laughs> unless you have, I haven't. Um, there is a couple, you know, amateur guys that I know. Um, even one of the guys that buy my stuff, he's a vegan. Um, looks awesome. You know, but at the same time, you're vegan, but you're on a cycle. It's, so That's it, what I was kind of... So yeah. the whole vegan, you know, I'm healthier than you because you eat steak. Don't give me that shit. But even in general, you, every diet, you can eat meat, you know, like a normal diet like we eat. Um, and being healthy from what we eat, right? You can be a vegan. You can be a very unhealthy vegan because there are a lot of vegan foods have a lot of shit added to it. A lot. You look at the vegan chicken, 
the list is like there's like 30 ingredients to make it. There's maltodextrin in there, partially like, hydrogenated vegetable oils. Yeah, and it's like yeah, it's supposed to be chicken, but there's there's 18 grams of sugar in it. You yeah. know, so just because it doesn't have cholesterol, you know, I think we come to that point now. It's 2020. Uh, dietary cholesterol. You know, with, if we eat from whole eggs and whatnot, if it's attached to the protein source, it's not typically. bad for you. Yeah, I, I, you know, and that was so. My my fiance was vegan for a couple of years, and since she's kind of rescinded on that a little bit, and she doesn't eat meat, but she'll do a little bit of dairy and eggs and mm-hmm. stuff. I watched her body change in three weeks yep. when she started adding mm-hmm. eggs into her diet. Her skin got better. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's flawless, yeah. and she just looks amazing. Well, and I just couldn't believe in three weeks her body wanted it that bad. And when she gave it to her, it changed. Well, we're definitely going to get a lot of hate from the vegans. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they're like, they're like a cult. They are. But, I mean, you bring up how her body, her skin, everything changed. Because vegan foods lack certain nutrients versus animal proteins and, you know, other foods. You take, for example, you know, uh, uh, Arizari, Jonathan, John Arizari. Name sounds familiar. Bodybuilder. He was a vegan for like two years. Okay. He used to eat the big bowls of fruit and stuff like that. Um, you can just look him up on Instagram. Big kid. He's my height. He's probably like 260, 265 now. He did the whole vegan thing for two years. Um, was all about it. No meat, you know, nothing. Just vegan, tons of fruits. And then he decided to switch. Went back to meat. His first meal, I think, was sushi, right? And he said in a matter of weeks, strength was up in the gym. He, his, the muscle was just piling on him. Everything. Everything changed. Yeah. Everything that was lacking, you can say, came back. Strength. You know, just feeling better overall. So yeah. I don't know, you know, do we take that as proof that, you know, you don't vegan diets aren't superior as they say to eating animal you know when animal it, animal uh proteins when it comes to the body i just i don't think i don't think that vegan diets are superior I, I don't but i the only understanding i have for vegan diets is really if it's a um almost like a religious thing mm-hmm. like they don't want to they don't want to eat animals they don't want the stress on the animal's life and right, the dairy farms and stuff i, I understand from a you know, moral standpoint and all that, but don't sit there and say vegan diets are healthier. It's superior to eating a steak. So eating a pile of greens is superior to eating a steak. With greens, that's how you're eating. So you're I mean, still eating those I'm greens. Still eating the greens, but yeah. I'm having a steak. You <laughs> yeah. know, because yeah. I'd rather have you know eating my grass-fed beef or whatever. Even if you didn't get grass-fed because it's more expensive, it's real. I'm not eating fake chicken. Right. You know, like you see all the fast food restaurants coming out with the vegan burgers and or whatever it's called. I don't yeah, know. I, I think that's just science and capitalism, right? Because, you know, vegans in the in the 90s didn't eat that stuff because there was no Beyond Meat or whatever that stuff's called. No. Uh, you know, that stuff wasn't there. So when people were vegan, they ate vegetables and they cooked their meals. And those people probably were very healthy yeah. because they had to get a variety of real food. You know, eggplant and zucchini and, you know, broccoli and asparagus and everything else. But then you look at it like this, too. They say you go to Burger King and get a Beyond Meat burger. Oh, I'm, this is so much healthier than eating the, the beef Tastes burger, the same. Right? Tastes the same. But what's on the burger, they're still putting three tablespoons of mayonnaise. They're still putting 
all the condiments on the thing and with what it takes to make that burger even um i forget the ingredient is used to make that the fake blood like the juice heme or whatever yeah it's it's a gmo it's genetically modified and i forget what it is but you don't know what the long-term effects are eating that and then there was something else i seen like a month ago it's some type of they were doing it on a computer like lasering beef like making beef on a screen and it's going to be like the new thing in, in restaurants like steaks and all this other stuff and it's like really just eat me if you want a steak eat a steak you know because clearly it's like you must really miss your steak if you're going to go eat a fake steak just eat a real one logic doesn't prevail all the time it's like i eat my and i tell people this i'm not a vegan are vegetables does do, do vegetables have nutrients of course fruits have nutrients yes that's why i have vegetables fruits and stuff with my meats it's almost like you're covering all it's bases. almost like politics you don't want to be all the way to the left you don't want to be all the way to the right you want to be kind of down the center you eat your vegetables you eat your meats because one you know doing it's like doing the carnivore diet just eating steak all day long i don't i don't think that's the right way to eat no you know, I, I, I think it would wreak havoc on my stomach yeah. over time like I, I just can't imagine that being any fun but it, it's really uh, an extremist version of a keto diet which is even an extreme in itself mm-hmm. so it's just it's just compoundingly you know crazy but i think for for today we kind of have a time cap so there's there's really just one other thing i wanted to to touch on and it, it's why you don't squat now Everybody, uh, you and uh, Dr. Mike Isertel, we're going back and forth, I think, in fun. Uh, you know, he's really big on squatting for stimulating the legs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously you have tremendous legs. They're massive. Yep. But you don't squat. Yep. Can you dive into that at all? It's simple, yeah. It, it bothers my <laughs> lower back. And it's, it's, it's always bothered my lower back, even when I was a young teen, you know, because that's what I learned. It's like, all right, we're going to do legs, some extensions, yeah. squats. Squats, even with the bar, it always bothered my lower back. And as I got older, you know, uh, older teens, you know, early 20s, and I would try to squat, my lower back just inflamed. And I, you know, my other exercise was always leg press. You know, high school had leg press, the gyms I went to had leg press. So leg press became my main focal point for legs. Lunges, extensions, and stuff like that. But leg press was my main builder. Um, I think leg press being able to change your foot positions and you know it's a lot more functional than just squatting and i think it's safer because you're not putting that pressure on your lower back right i think you can build the same pair of legs that you're destined to build without squat you can do it on a leg press and i know me and mike kind of went back and forth he, he put a post up basically if you if you don't squat you're pussy or a bitch or whatever <laughs> and it's like whoa um first of all my legs are better than yours <laughs> And I don't squat. I like press. Yeah. It's just how Dorian Yates didn't uh, squat. Well, I think that, again, just going back to, like, breaking things into concepts, if something's prohibiting you from reaching a certain threshold of damage on the muscle, mm-hmm. then find something else. Yeah. Right? It's almost, Yeah, but the problem is people push this logic of if you want big legs, you got to squat. Well, I think it's like a, a manhood thing. Right, like the, there's nothing more. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess it is. It's like you know, if you're not squatting, yeah, you're not, you're not a man. You know, it's like 
chassis. It's the ultimate exercise, though, right? Like, if you're measuring strength, uh, there's nothing more impressive than somebody with a very strong squat. Yeah, but I don't squat. Yeah. Now, you know, I'll do other variations because it doesn't bother my back. You know, like, I'll hack squat. doesn't bother my back. Now, do I do it like a normal hack squat? No, I do it like a 60 squat to okay. target my quads. Um, I'll do the, uh, the other, uh, I think it's a V-squat um, machine. Where like you the one of, we you, have? You face forward, you face backwards. Uh, power squat. You know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah I'll use they're both. phenomenal. I'll use both of them. I don't go heavy on the V-squat because that angle, the way I angle myself, you know, it starts putting pressure with the weight on my shoulders in the same part of my lower back that when I squat. Yeah. So I don't do a lot of that. If I do it, I do lighter weight. I do it, but it's just lighter weight. At least with that, it's controlled. It's in place. Squatting, if it starts bothering me, it's like that bar is moving. You just don't know where There's it's There's stability go. issues, yeah. So I, I just don't squat. You know, I was uh, recently uh, – we train legs here on uh, typically Monday nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I skipped this week. Uh, <laughs> but recently I found that I was starting to, to number chase, right, mm-hmm. is uh, I would come in. I, I You know, I do four or five for ten. Then next week I wanted 11. The next week I wanted 12. Yeah. And uh, what I ended up realizing is my legs started atrophying because I, I was no longer stimulating the muscle in the leg. I was focusing on the weight, and that was making me use my joints more. Yep. It was making me uh, put myself in a prime position for strength but not muscle growth. Yeah, not muscle growth. And they're yeah. two different things. Yep. And it's just, you know, you, you, you learn things, and they evolve, and you go back to ground zero. And uh, so now uh, we re- revamped our workouts, and we'll squat at the end of our workouts. So that way, that way you don't have to use as much weight. Exactly. And you're going to stimulate the muscle just as if you're squatting 500 pounds in the beginning and you're only squatting, say, 300 at the end. Yeah, and, and you're not, but you're not body, ego-driven at the end. You're not ego-driven, and the body doesn't know. The body doesn't know whether or not you're squatting 100 pounds or 500 pounds. It just knows stimulation. Yeah. And I think that's another thing with a lot of people these days, you know, who don't learn the proper exercise and execution. They just want to get in there and just move weight. But learn the technique yeah you know what i mean so you know the overall development of the muscle is going to come as well not just and that's something that like you're the fourth or fifth ifbb pro that we've had on here mm-hmm. um and that's one thing that i've learned uh from every single one of you guys that have been on is that your execution of each lift mm-hmm. is just absolutely phenomenal and uh and that has to play such a big part in in muscle stimulus and, and growth like ex- one example and i know we're cutting time short i mean time on this but you take um there was a few bodybuilders this year that tore their hamstrings because they're trying to stiff leg 500 pounds you don't need to stiff like 500 pounds you know what i mean it's, yeah it, and you look at their form it's like their knees are severely bent you know, and it's just like to me, it's just it's that's more ego driven. Say, like, oh man, I just stiff like four hundred pounds or five hundred pounds. You don't need all that. I'll stiff like like two twenty five max. You know what I mean? That's nice only stretch, been a high nice risk. slow control. You know, squeeze my ass at the top, and I, clearly, you know, okay, it's genetics, I guess. But yeah, it's always genetics. I haven't had any. Yeah, it's always <laughs> genetics. But I just I did, certain exercise. I just don't see the point. You don't need that much weight. Yeah. To stimulate that muscle. Because then, you know, like you're saying, it becomes ego-driven. And that, that can go with every exercise, Arm, you know, bicep curls, you know, everything. It, it always happened to me for years. Uh, I, I was benching in the 400s. Mm-hmm. I had the, small, the world's smallest chest. It was all shoulders and back. Yeah. I wasn't using any chest and muscles whatsoever. once you actually lowered the weight, 
you actually started getting more chest development. A hundred percent for yeah. the first time in my life, which and is really this last year. To um, older bodybuilder Fregno, you know, he used to try and push tons of weight, right? And then when he got older, he wrote an article about it. He wrote it in the magazine, talked about it that after he turned a certain age, he noticed he learned to lift lower weight. You mean and more, you know, focus on execution. And he actually grew his chest better with maxing out at 275 pounds, as big as he was. Yeah, 275. Yeah. And obviously, he looked the part. I mean, he looked phenomenal he as competing. he got older. Yeah. yeah. And he said he just never went that heavy extreme again. He just 275, just focus on the contractions, and was it. And that's what things. I try to tell people now. I say, I understand you want to move weight. Everybody wants to move weight. You know, it's like, yeah, you see me in Feels the gym. Feels good. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the gym. I'll row, you know, I'll stack them, 180-pound dumbbells. But I'm bent over. I'm fully squeezing that dumbbell. I'm not jerking the dumbbell. Yeah. So I, my strength is there to pull it. If your strength isn't there, lower the weight, learn the technique, and allow that whatever muscle you're training to pull the weight. Seems simple, it's, just like the diet. It's simple, <laughs> just like eating rice and chicken. I mean, it's, it's simple. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is episode 12. Uh, if you're not following Jeff already, he's pretty popular on Instagram. Uh, I think it's IFBB Pro Jeff Long. Uh, uh, just IFBB Long. IFBB Long. Uh, so give him a follow. And we do have some of his training programs on our app, which is 100% free on the Google Play and iTunes store. Thanks, guys.